Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. Well, we are we're going to finish up, I hope. We're looking at spiritual warfare, and uh, we didn't get that far last week. Uh, my hope is that you will have a better understanding of what spiritual warfare is all about. You'll have a better understanding when we talk about the spiritual armor. You've heard about Ephesians 6. If you have a Bible, if you would turn to Ephesians 6, we're eventually going to get there. Uh, we read it last week, and we kind of talked about it this much, and we're going to talk about it a lot more this week. I want to remind you that this is kind of a high-level uh, time that we're what we're talking about, we could take weeks talking about each one of these things. And so I'm uh, trying to do it justice enough to, to walk through it at a high level so you get an understanding of it. Because it's important to understand that we are in a battle. That every day that you get up, every day that you breathe, that there's a spiritual battle going on all around you. One of the things we said last week is the thing that we need to see this week is that uh, the Christian life is not a playground, it's a battleground. That if you claim the name of Christ, if you are following Jesus with all that you are, you are going to be the, the, uh, the, uh, the target of battle. And last week we talked about the importance, too, of understanding where the battle is. Do you remember what we talked about, that the battleground, where is it at? It's in my mind. It's in your mind that that's where the battle rages. And it's important that we understand that. It's important that we get that. Uh, in Northampton, we want, as we said it before, and we'll say it again, and we'll continue to say that we want to reach people. We want to help people to know what it means to have a relationship with God. That we want to help people to take a step toward Christ. And we want to help those that have a relationship with God, that are Christ followers, we want them to take steps toward Christ, right? <laughs> Christ-likeness. Easy for me to say. Uh, we looked at this verse last week, but I want to look at this verse again as we get started because it's, we, we need to understand what we're talking about. Because as you think about your relationship with God, if you say that you're a Christ follower, this should be kind of your, the mantra of your life. This is kind of where you should be at, that, that Paul says that I have been crucified with Christ, that I am dead to myself. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That this is what it's all about. This is the life that we're talking about living. It's not just praying a prayer and going to church and, and doing, living your own life, but what it means to say that I'm dying to myself, that I'm following Jesus, not just as Savior, but as Lord. And it's not just giving your life to Christ, it's about living your life for Christ. And that's evidence of the fact that you really are a Christ follower if you're following Christ. I know that sounds kind of like a no-brainer, but I think sometimes we've lost that. We've misunderstood that. And I want to make sure that we really get that today. We talked about last week, and this is setting the groundwork for this week, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick, and that Satan is our enemy and wants to destroy us, that we should be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And this is when we talked about the importance of understanding that the battlefield is the mind. The importance of understanding that garbage in equals garbage out. The important to understand that when you say, I'm not really winning in my, in my walk with God, that I, everything else keeps taking priority or I keep getting distracted, you need to take a look at what you're allowing into the control room of your life. That if you're not feeding on the Word of God, if you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not investing in that relationship, of course other things are going to take priority. 
And so it's important that if you say, I'm following Christ, that you follow Christ just not on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, but you follow Christ on Tuesday afternoon and on Wednesday night and on Thursday. In the, well, all those times that I'm following Jesus and I'm surrendered to Him. One of the things that we say a lot is that it's not about behavior modification, it's about heart transformation. That I'm not interested in you changing the way that you act so that you can look like you follow Jesus, but, but you have made a decision with your head to follow Him and with your heart. What's happening is that God is changing you from the inside out. That's what I care about. That's what I push you toward. That's what I push me toward. That's my goal, is that more and more that I would surrender more and more and that God would change me more and more to be like Jesus. If that's not your heartbeat, then I would tell you you need to pause for a second and kind of evaluate where you are in your relationship with God. Because to be surrendered to God, to be trusting Him as Savior, means you need to follow Him as Lord. And if you're not following Him as Lord, then I don't know that you're really trusting Him as Savior. And it's not to put a panic in your life, but it's to say, this is, this is as I've said too many times, I'm sure, that this is a big deal. That people will step out of this world and into eternity and, and end up in a Christless eternity because, well, when I was four and a half years old, I prayed some prayer in Sunday school, and so I thought I was good. With no evidence in their life and in your life that you trust Christ. No evidence that He is Lord of all. No evidence that you've surrendered all. No evidence that there's been any change. I really want you to have a genuine relationship with God. Genuine relationship that is dependent upon His Word, dependent upon Him. And don't hear me say that it's a perfect relationship because there are days that I get up and I don't act very much like I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. There are days that I get up and I struggle. There are days that I get up and I want to do my own thing. There are days that I get up and I give in to temptation. There are moments that I give in to temptation. And thankfully that I believe the Spirit convicts me even before that. I even give in to that temptation like you shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. But you shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then there's that conviction, and, and what I trust in is 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sin, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But it doesn't mean that I keep on sinning so that grace can abound more and more, but I say, God, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to walk away from you. I want to walk with you. I want to walk in step with the Spirit. And that's where we all should be as Christ followers. Really, to walk this out is walking in the power of God. Uh, we said a little bit last week that it's not about um, saying today I'm going to do this. Today I'm going to try really hard to be a better Christ follower. What it really amounts to, uh, as I understand it, is to say today if I'm going to look anything more like Jesus than I did yesterday, it's going to be because I surrendered more than I surrendered yesterday. Because Galatians 5.22 and 23, and you can write that down, but Galatians 5.22 and 23 is called the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence of the Spirit in my life. That I don't think that we look at Galatians 5 and say, I'm going to be more joyful today. I'm going to be more loving today. I'm going to have more patience today. I, really what it, what it comes to is saying, God, if I'm going to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, it's because you, I've allowed you to have more of me to be able to transform me to be more like you. <laughs> Makes sense? Or is it really confusing? Good. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at this real quick, and then we're going to get into where we were kind of yesterday. We're still not there yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> Thanks for having patience. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. 
It's about God's power in me. It's not about my power and how strong I am because when it comes down to it, I'm not that strong at all. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers of, over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we said this last week, and we need to be reminded of this this week and every other day, that the battle that we fight is not against things that we can see, but it's against these spiritual forces that want to destroy us. And it's not that we run around and we're like, ah, oh, the sky is falling. No, we walk around and say, there is a war going on in places that we can't see. That, that what hangs in the balance is our eternity. What hangs in the balance is our souls. What hangs in the balance is, is your friends and your neighbors and your, your acquaintances and all those people in your spheres of influence, that they hang in the balance. Therefore, because of this, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit and with all prayer and supplication. And as I mentioned last week and I mentioned this week, sometimes we read that, and maybe you've done this, that you say, well, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to pray on the armor and I'm going to go through my day. And so we end up praying these words and we have no idea what we're talking about. God, I pray for the helmet of salvation. <laughs> I pray for the breastplate of righteousness. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I'm praying that on. I want, I'm hoping that today, my prayer is that today, that a lot of this will make sense. Oh, I get it. I understand how I can walk this out. Because I think that's what we need to be, is, is understanding that. So we talked about that there's four letters uh, that we're going to walk away with today. Uh, they're going to go down the side there. Four things that you can do to win the battle, that ultimately win the war. The first thing we talked about last week is you need to pray up. He says it starts by looking up, but you need to pray up. We talked about Acts, not the book of Acts, but Acts, the A-C-T-S. If you, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Well, you can start by uh, adoration. You can just praise God. You can worship God. Uh, C is confession, confessing your sin to God. T is thanksgiving. God, I'm so thankful for these things. S is supplication or, or pray, just giving a request to God. And so if you have no idea what to pray, start there. If you really don't have any idea, guess what you can do? You can talk to God. There's no magical formula to say, well, now you have to have an intro, a body, and a conclusion. Make sure it's all uh, referenced correctly in APA format. And it, God, I, it, I really don't know how to talk to you right now. God, I'm really struggling right now. God, I just want to praise you for the sunshine. Thank you for today. Those are prayers that God hears. It's not the, <clears throat> God, I'm going to pray now. That it's not this one-time act that I prepare all day for, but it's an ongoing conversation that I have with God. I don't like to, even when we pray to say, you know, uh, you open and I'll close. Well, hopefully the time that you spend together, God is a part of all that you do. That maybe in your day, the only time you really close in prayer is at night, like, God, I'm going to bed. <laughs> but it should be an ongoing conversation and not just, okay, at this one point, I'm going to pray over my meal. Often I don't stop in the middle of, of a restaurant like, let's all pray. That even in that moment, like, God, just thank you for this food. I don't think I disrespect God. I, I am thankful for all that God has given me. But it's just an ongoing conversation and not just, <clears throat> now I'm going to pray. And you don't have to have your eyes closed because it doesn't work while you're driving. 
but that you would just spend time talking to God. God, I'm about ready to go into this meeting. God, I'm about ready to have this conversation. I, I don't know what's going on. Give me the words. Change my heart. Open my eyes. Those are prayers that God hears, and God wants to hear from you. God longs to be in a relationship with you, and so we pray, and we need to pray up. The next thing we need to do, and this is where it gets into hopefully more, even just bigger things for you, is that you need to armor up. You need to armor up. Again, we talk about this, but I have no idea what that talks about, but I'm going to hopefully it's going to make sense today. The first thing that Paul mentions is the belt of truth. The belt of truth, as a Christ follower, really what the belt does is it kind of ties it all together. And so it's important that we wear a belt, most of us anyway, but even in that time when you had uh, armor, that the belt kind of brought everything together. And the belt of truth is important because I need to immerse myself in the truth of who God is. I need to immerse myself in the truth of God's Word. We talk about spending time in the Word and spending time... We need to be in the Word of God, and the Word of God needs to be in us. That you are, either you are growing toward Christ or you're growing away from Him. You don't get the opportunity to say, I'm going to kind of coast for a while. But that you need to be fervent and vigilant, like, I, I need to be in the Word today. And there are some days that you get up and you're like, I don't want to read. I, I don't want to spend time. God changed my heart. Okay, I'm gonna, sometimes we get to, in this legalistic point of view where like, I've got to read 72 chapters in order to feel like I've done anything. No, it might just be a verse. It may be a, a verse that you open up to in Proverbs, and you're like, God, that just totally speaks to where I'm at right now, and I just want to praise you just for that. And there's no prescription on how to spend time with God, but that you would spend time with God. There's just like there's no prescription on when your relationship, like we went out to dinner, and then we had small talk, and then we watched a movie, and now it's successful. It may just be this, we just sat and talked. It may just be that we just sat and didn't talk, but we just spent time together and it was okay. And so your time with God may look different each day. That you might find yourself just singing a song that we sing on Sundays or something that you hear on the fish or whatever. And and that becomes your time with God in that time. But that you would get into the word and allow the word of God to get into you because the reality is that Jesus himself is the truth. He says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That Jesus is truth. And the word of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, the word of God is truth. And it's profitable to teach us, to rebuke us, to train us in righteousness. So that when the lies of Satan come into our lives, when the lives of sin come into our lives, we're able to, to identify that it's not true. I don't know if you know this or not, and I'm not an expert on this, but I, I've heard the story that those people that are good at, at uh, identifying counterfeit bills, money, uh, what do you think they do? Do you think they study the counterfeits, all millions of them, or do they study the, the true one? They study the true one. And they, they know the true bills inside and out and upside down and backwards so that when one comes across in front of them, they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> That the truth of who God is and the truth of God's word should be so ingrained in our lives that when the lies come into our lives that smell like smoke, <laughs> you say, this is, get thee behind me, Satan. No, this is, this is not what I want to be in my life. The problem is, is that we have allowed our world, our spheres of influence, our, our culture to identify what truth is. And so we kind of, eh, it's fine. Whatever, whatever truth is okay for you is your truth. And I got my truth. The reality is there is one truth, and the truth is found in Christ alone. 
And we need to walk in that truth. And so we need to invite the truth of our lives, invite the truth into our lives, that we need to have a relationship with God through who is the truth, who is Jesus, that we invite Him to be our Savior and Lord, and that what we do is we open up our lives to the Word of God. So that when our life doesn't measure up, match up is probably the better way to say it, match up to what God says, guess what needs to change? Good, that's done. But we want to do that sometimes. Or what we do is we say, well, my life doesn't really measure up, but I like what I do better. Wow, God, I just, I saw that I shouldn't treat my spouse like I do. Huh. Huh, Oh, well. Instead, what it should be is, wow, I, I just, I see how my life will honor you if I just do what I'm supposed to, what you've called me to do. And I confess that I don't do that. By your power, change me, strengthen me, transform me, change my mind, the way that I think to have the mind of Christ so that I see people like you see it. So I see my sin like you see it. Truth fights against the lies of Satan and truth holds all the armor together. We have the breastplate of righteousness. And what this is really talking about is wearing righteousness, and righteousness is sinlessness. That what it does is, is that righteousness covers me. And, and, and you need to understand that there was a, a divine exchange, or there's a divine exchange that happens in your life spiritually. That when you put your faith and trust in Christ alone, what happens is, is that your sin, uh, your shortcomings, your unrighteousness uh, gets placed in, uh, on, on Christ and, and that his righteousness because of his perfect life, because of his sinlessness, because of, of who he is and his sacrifice, that that gets credited to your account so that your account says zero. That I'm not righteous, I'm not sinless in God's eyes because I've been so good. I mean, I did a lot of good stuff, and I went to church, and I read the Bible almost every day, and I prayed, kind of. None of those things will ever be good enough. That I can stand faultless before the throne because of what Christ has done in my faith, and that what's been credited to my account is what, who Christ is. And that happens when I put my faith and my trust in Him. And I want you to understand, too, that that righteousness covers my life and it allows me uh, to walk in such a manner that, that it kind of keeps me protected from things that otherwise I might walk into. And you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced this, that when you've tried to do things your own way, when, you tried to, when you've given in to sin and to temptation, you end up facing consequences. What righteousness does, it doesn't mean there, there'll never be anything bad that happens in your life because there'll still be difficult times in your life as you follow Jesus. As you walk in righteousness, I mean, just ask Job. I mean, bad things still happen to good people. And yet what we see is that God will use that. God will leverage those things in your life to, to, for your good and for his glory. That as I walk in righteousness, as I walk in sinlessness, it, kinda, it protects me, it helps me to live rightly, and it protects my life. And so how do I walk in righteousness? How do I put on righteousness? I walk in surrender. I don't just pray, God, help me to be surrendered today, but I walk it out so that when I walk out my door, that God, I surrender my life today. God, I surrender my day to you. I surrender my calendar to you. I surrender my, the next hour to you, whatever it is. And I walk out the door when I'm faced with an opportunity to surrender that I really do surrender. There's a difference between talking about it and doing it. 
That we need to be people who don't just talk about it, but we do it. James 1.22 is a verse we come back to all the time because it's so important that we understand James 1.22 to not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Don't just know what God says and say, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to go live my life like I think I should. God, I pray that I would surrender, that I would walk in surrender to you and your righteousness today so that when I'm faced with the opportunity to say something I shouldn't say, to do something I shouldn't do, that wouldn't bring you glory and honor, that relationship that's not honoring you, that I would say no to that and I would say yes to you. That's evidence of a changed life. Not just that you pray to prayer sometime and like, I'm just trying the best I can, but that when you're faced with the opportunity to choose to please God or please yourself, you say, God, I'm going to please you, even though deep down I really want to please myself. But what you find is that when you walk in a way that's pleasing to God, guess what ultimately happens? You find pleasure, you find security, you find the things that you were looking for in that thing that you really wanted, you find it in Christ. So as I live by God's strength, as I, I walk in righteousness, I am protected from unnecessary evil in my life. doesn't mean bad things won't happen, but you know what I'm talking about when you've chosen to kind of walk your own way and do your own thing, that you've kind of experienced evils and, and troubles heaping on you because you kept making a poor decision after a poor decision after a poor decision, and just got, you feel overwhelmed. And what I'm saying to you is as I walk in righteousness, as I walk in surrender, say, God, I'm going to try to, with all my effort and all your strength in me, I'm going to live to please you. It changes the outcome of certain things that maybe wouldn't have been that way had you not chosen to do that. In other words, if you walk in surrender, it's going to keep you from things and consequences that you might already have otherwise experienced because you're trying to please yourself. And it keeps me protected from attacks. As I walk in Christ's righteousness, that Satan will still attack, but I'm going to be protected. That I need to resist the devil and he will flee, not embrace the devil because he's going to stay. Shoes of, of peace. Still with me? I told you it could take six weeks to talk about these things. I'm trying to... Good. Choose a piece. Gospel of peace footwear. That the gospel of Jesus, the good news, gives me peace to stand in the battle. This is important to understand that if I truly am trusting in Christ, if I truly embrace the gospel message that it is Christ and Him crucified and all the things that we talk about all the time, and maybe, maybe you kind of like, oh, I heard it a thousand times, but I, at some point it's going to click and it's going to make sense. And when it makes sense, you're not going to get tired of hearing it. Because if it weren't for Jesus, you would still be lost. You would still be hopeless. You would still be in a situation that you would not be where you are today if it weren't for Christ. That I don't get tired of hearing the gospel. I don't get tired of speaking the gospel. Because it has the power to change lives. But the gospel gives me peace to stand in search... In search <laughs> circumstances, uh, that my peace doesn't depend on my circumstances, that I don't hold on to God, that he holds on to me, that I don't have to do or to be so that God will be impressed with me, but that I stand in the truth, I stand in the gospel, and God, God saves me, God protects me, God uses all these things that may happen to me for my good and for his glory, and I trust him. And I can have peace that no matter what happens, I mean, what's the worst that Satan can do to me? And you don't like to say that. <laughs> I don't like to say that. I'm the one saying it, and I don't like to say that. But in, in all reality, in the scope of your life, what's the worst that Satan can do to you? 
kill you? Maybe. And then what? Then you're with God? I mean, that's not something that we're like, man, I can't wait to die today. But, but the reality of, of eternity, as we talked about before, that this is time and eternity just goes on and on and on and on. And we live for this moment, for this time, for this small piece, for what we can get. And we misunderstand what really, really matters. That we need to live for eternity in mind. How can I stand in peace? I can experience peace when I have a right relationship with God. And once I have a right relationship with God, I can stand in peace in all circumstances. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. If you don't have this verse, these verses memorized, memorize these verses. Do not be anxious about anything. Easy for you to say, right? Don't be anxious about anything. Yeah. But in everything. How much? Everything. That means everything, Right? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God, I surrender today, and I surrender this moment, and I surrender this anxiety, and, and I keep surrendering it, and I keep surrendering it, and I keep surrendering it. God, give me your peace for this situation. God, give me your peace in my life. The reality is, if I'm trusting in Christ, that there is nothing that can harm me because I am a child of the King. That nothing happens that doesn't pass through the hand of God first. That God is sovereign. That God is in control. That God is over his creation. That it's not like he's surprised, like, oh, my bad, I was checking on the pasta and I didn't realize. (laughs) He knows. And God is going to leverage all those things in your life. The things that have happened that you can look back, even your story of faith, that you can look back and say, had it not been for that difficult time, had it not been for that person's faithfulness, had it not been for a series of things that happened inside of the will of God, I would not be here today. And I can have peace that there's nothing that can separate from the love of God. From the love of God. If you don't know Romans 8, you need to write down Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And I can rest in the fact that if I'm trusting in the gospel, if I'm trusting in Christ, that I can have peace no matter what happens. It's easier said than done. I get it. (laughs) I struggle with that. It's easy to say, God, I trust you with everything, and then something happens that I would say, I would label, that's something bad. You're like, God, I I trust you. But it's getting to that point of, God, I, I trust you. I may not have chosen this, but I trust you. Shield of faith for a soldier. uh, The shield was about four foot high by about two and a half or three foot wide. It was made of wood overlaid with leather, 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 easy again for me to say, most often soaked in water to distinguish flaming arrows. I can't imagine a, an arrow being covered in pitch and lit on fire and shot at me. Uh, not something that I would sign up for, but that's how what Satan's attacks are described like. Talking about extinguishing the, flame, the, arrow, the flaming arrows of the evil one, that, that, that's what Satan, that's what the evil forces all around us do in our lives, that they shoot out these arrows that have the, the ability to, to get into our hearts and get into our lives and to, to really do harm. And the shield of faith is there to protect me. It kind of over, comes over all of my armor, all of who I am, that I can get behind that and I can hide down behind that and just know that the shield, that my faith is going to protect me from those attacks. 
And sometimes what happens is that we start out and we follow Jesus and we got this big shield and then something happens like his shield's like, and then we end up like, you know, kind of high behind a postage stamp sometimes in our life. Because maybe we experience God to not be faithful or, or our impression of God is that he doesn't care. And that we need to walk in faith and faith in this context is absolute confidence. God, that I, I know that you have, a, you have power and that you have a plan and that you... Uh, will do what you say you'll do, that your promises are true. But do I believe what God says? And so how do I, how do I walk this out? It's really to take up the shield of faith is that I, I trust in God's word. I trust in what he said. I may have to trust without even fully understanding what I'm trusting, but I trust you. And whether you like it or not, your, your shield of your faith begins to grow as you walk through difficult times. As you experience God to be faithful, your shield of faith grows and it begins to cover over everything else. Say, God, at one point I'd say, yeah, I think you can handle this. And then I I walk through something difficult and I see God's hand. I see God at work and, and my faith begins to grow and it begins to cover over me so that no matter what happens, I trust you. That one day you might say, God, I, I, I trust you, I think. And then you walk through some difficult times and your faith grows and you're like, God, I trust you. And then you walk through something else that's difficult and then your faith grows even more and that shield covers you more and you stand behind and say, God, I trust you with everything. That we trust in God's sovereignty, that we trust that God is good all the time and that all the time that God is good. And that I trust in his faithfulness that he will keep his promise, that he will work all things together for my good and for his glory. I trust him. And that faith that really grows as I experience God in ways I've never experienced Him. The ways that you can't experience Him in a classroom, but you experience in life. My faith grows and covers over me as I trust Him. And every time I read His Word and I believe it and I live it and I study it and I memorize it and I walk through adversity, my faith begins to grow. So I would encourage you to embrace those difficult times, uh, knowing that God is going to use them to grow your faith. The helmet of salvation... For the, uh, the soldier, this is pretty important. Uh, it's made of metal or leather. It covers your head, the place you're most prone, protects you from fatal strikes. And what we're talking about here is that as you allow God to transform you, as you surrender your life, as you say, uh, I'm going to follow you, and Jesus says, and I will make you, and you allow God into your heart and into your life to say, you have, you have jurisdiction here to change me. Give me the mind of Christ. That that's what we're talking about, about being more like Christ, is that it changes, that he changes the way that we think, he changes the way that we act, he changes the things that come out of our mouths, because what comes out of our mouth is really an overflow of what's in our hearts. That we would have the mind of Christ, and that would cover over us in a way that, that protects us and protects our thoughts, because the battleground is the mind. If I don't make my mind and really my heart, if I don't make that a big deal, if I don't identify that as, as the battleground, then I am going to lose the battle. You are going to lose the battle. And you have experienced it in your life where you said, why do I keep losing? Why do I keep falling into the same temptation, the same struggle? Why does this keep happening that you've got to trace it all the way back to your mind? God, it's because I allowed that thing into my life, because I allowed that website into my mind, because I allowed that app into my mind, because I allowed that situation into my mind, because I allowed that thought to take up residence in my heart and my mind. And you go all the way back and you say, God, 
forgive me. I confess that to you. That was wrong. That was out, out of the bounds of what you want from my life. I confess that to you. Forgive me. That you would have the mind of Christ. That I would have the mind of Christ. That I would learn to live and apply his word. That I would believe what God says. And allow him to change me. Last one here is that the sword of the spirit. Uh, for the soldier, I don't think we think about this often. But we, we often think of the, of the sword as being... Um, offensive, but it's both offensive and defensive. And as we talked about last week, and we'll mention it again, that if you look at all the armor, there's no armor that, that guards the backside of you uh, with the implication that we don't, we don't try to rush ahead and like, I'm going to take more ground for the kingdom and I'm going to defeat Satan. Well, that's a good way to get punched in the face because uh, in and of yourself, you don't have the power. But what we see in Ephesians 6 is that you do all these things and you stand. You stand in the ground that God has already taken. That you stand there strong in his power by his might and you do battle because of him and what he has done and what he's doing in you. You don't go rogue and say, I got this because what normally happens to that guy is you find him later not alive. I mean, it's not good. But we don't have the power to say, we, we got this, God, but we stand in God's power and God's strength and his peace with truth wrapped around us, with righteousness, with our minds, um, with the mind of Christ to God, whatever you want for my life. And you look at this, at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, uh, that this is a very important thing. And when we talk about this in our own lives, what we're talking about specifically here in, in Ephesians chapter uh, 6 is the written Word. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being, he's led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, to go into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Again, you think, well, that's not fair. Like, that would like, protect us, right? But, but God is using that. And so what we find in that, if you know this, what, the account of what happens, that, that, that Satan comes to Jesus and he tells him lies. And what does Jesus say every time? It is written. And not just, I don't think it's like, hey, it is written. But it's, it is written that you shall not live by bread alone, but out of every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written that I should worship God and serve him alone. It is written. And that I can stand on those truths because the word of God is true. That we don't go into battle and say, I think it's in the Bible somewhere that it says something about a penny saved is a penny earned and I stand on that truth. That's not in the Bible. But I don't know what's in the Bible. You know what you need to do? Open the Bible. You know what you need to do after you open the Bible is you need to read the Bible. When you read the Bible, guess what you should do? God, give me understanding. God, I, this doesn't make any sense. I'm going to read it again. It still doesn't make sense. I'm going to read it again. Oh, now it makes sense. <laughs> God, by your spirit, I mean, we don't, if you want to work on your car, uh, you don't go, like if you have a, a Buick, you don't go to the Honda dealership. You go to the Buick dealership, the one who made it, right? And so, God, this is your word from you. Uh, teach me. Show me. Change me. Make it make sense. That's a prayer that God answers. It's not like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. So, uh, Yeah. I want you to know, because I want your life to look different. I want you to be changed. That you memorize the word of God, that you walk in it, so that when the lies come across, when the darts come at you, you say, it is written. I don't need to walk in lies anymore. I walk in the truth, and the truth protects me. It is written. I need to strengthen up. I'll give you these two real quick. I need to strengthen up meaning that I need to stand in God's strength, and, and really it is only God's strength in me that I can live this life to please Him. It's kind of counterintuitive a little bit. 
that the only way that I can live to please God is by God working in me to help me to live to please God. My role, as I see it and as I understand it, is that I surrender. Are you tired, tired of hearing the word surrender? And not, not? Good. Because that's really where it's at. Maybe I'll think of a different word that means the same thing but doesn't seem the same thing. But I need to strengthen up. I, I need to understand that it's really about His power in me. It's about surrendering my life to Him. It's about, it's about allowing Him uh, to work in me, uh, to choose to, to walk in a way that honors Him. I walk in His strength. I don't walk in mind. I don't try harder. I have to surrender more. Because what I find is, and it doesn't mean that I just sit passively back and say, hey, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to be God. I'm going to keep walking the way that you've called me to walk, but if I'm going to do anything pleasing to you, it's going to be because of your power in me. And the last thing, the other S, if I'm going to pass this test, is that I stand up. We're not called to advance on Satan. We're called to defend the ground that, that God has already won and already gained, that we stand in his strength and we stand in his might, and we know that we can only do this by his power. Because the reality is, is greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I don't walk out there all proud. I I walk out there in humility and say, if I'm going to win this war, it's going to be because of you. The battle rages on every day. Satan doesn't take a vacation. He's like, hey, by the way, I got this week off, so you can go do what you want and feel, you know that you need to take this seriously, that if you're going to walk in a way that honors God and pleases Him, uh, it's going to be because you've surrendered to Him and God is working in you by, your, by His power and His strength. And maybe we walk like that. Maybe we pass a test. Maybe we say, God, today, tomorrow, I surrender my marriage to you. I surrender my relationships to you. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my mind to you because I want to follow you with all that I am. It will change your life. It will change your relationships. It will change the way that you treat people as you begin to have the mind of Christ because of what God is doing through his word. That there is power in the word of God. And I don't say that because I get paid to say that because I don't get paid to say that. I say that because it's true. And if you've not experienced power in the word of God, then you need to open it and you need to read it for yourself and see what God does.